Well, good morning. Good to see you all here today. Uh, today we're going to be starting a, a new series and uh, looking at the life of Abraham. Uh, going to be going through this for the next uh, two years. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, just, just ten weeks is all. And uh, gosh, wouldn't that be fun? Uh, today is the first Sunday of the month, and so it's our, our time to observe the Lord's Supper. And so at the end of the service, we're going to observe that together. Uh, if you haven't got your elements, and uh, you can do that during the invitation, or, or have a deacon come and give you one here uh, throughout the service. And so uh, today, we're going to be starting in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 9. If you have your Bibles, would you turn there with me? Genesis 12, 1 to 9. Genesis 12, 1 to 9. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. I thank you for your love and kindness and, and generosity in our life. And we thank you so much for the many elements of worship that we've experienced here this morning. Father, uh, I thank you for uh, the songs that we've sung, the gifts that we've given, um, for, for uh, the Morgan family, for their willingness to come and dedicate their daughter to the Lord. I, I thank you for just the... The many people that make this possible today, uh, the ushers and the worship band, the tech people and the deacons, Sunday school teachers and coffee bar baristas and, and even, Lord, as we gather here now and we look at your word, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, speak to us in a mighty way. We know that it's through your word that we're fed. Uh, it's not by my opinion or not by uh, a joke or an illustration, but rather by your word. And so, Father, allow us today to hear a message from you, from your word, and allow for it to be divine in our life, where it penetrates our heart, it sanctifies our thinking, it corrects our desires. And I recognize, Lord, that I have a part in this, and so if you would, forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life and give me the grace that is needed to, to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into the time of renewal and the relationship with you. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, I pray that today is that day, the day where they admit they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord of life. If that were to happen, we would give you all the honor, all the glory. Father, maybe there's someone here today that you are, that you are speaking to, a believer that you are moving and calling to go. Go and be a missionary. Go and proclaim the gospel. Go and go into ministry. Maybe it's to go and share their faith with their neighbor. Maybe it's to become a church member. Maybe it's to get baptized. Maybe it's, I don't know. But I pray that during today's service that you would speak to them, that you continue to move them and Penetrate their heart, Lord. Speak to them in the way that only you can. And allow for them to know your will for their life. Jesus, we love you so much and pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Albert Einstein called Galileo the father of modern science. Uh, he developed the scientific method. And uh, Rene Descartes is often called the modern, a father, modern, the father of modern mathematics. He, uh, if you don't like geometry, if you're in a geometry class right now, you don't like. He's the guy to blame. Okay. Uh, 
Aristotle is considered the father of rhetoric. Uh, he believed that people were persuaded by the use of either logic, emotion, or authority. He says that if you're going to be persuaded by logic, then, it should, then I should use facts. I should present the biblical facts to you today. If he thinks that, if you think that maybe, if he thinks that, that you will be persuaded by authority, then I should tell you that, you know, I have a, a bachelor's degree, two masters, a doctorate, 14 years of full, full-time ministry experience. And if that's not enough, then, well, good luck finding somebody else, you know I mean? So, or, or emotion, he says, you know, you should, maybe you're persuaded by emotion. If that's the case, then well, God bless your little heart, you know. And so, in Texas, we call those people, well, I won't share that with you this morning. But, but I mean, if you ever been, watch a TV commercial and they've got a, a starving little child there, right? And they, they are using emotion to get you to donate to their cause. That's emotion. If we look back at the history of the church, if you look back at the history of Judaism, then who is the man that is the father of our faith? I mean, if Galileo is the father of science, if Descartes is the father of modern mathematics, if Aristotle is the father of persuasion, communication, then Abraham would be the father of our faith. We're going to be looking at key moments of his life. Not every verse that talks about Abraham is what we're going to, we're going to look at some of the key moments. And today, what I want to do is to look at the start of his story. And we're going to see something that's very familiar. Something that we've all, if we're a believer here today, we've all heard and seen from our God. It's a call to go. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. God said to what? Go. Leave your country, your family, your friends to a new land. God, God calls him to forsake all that he knew for him. What I believe... God was calling him to do was to, to leave behind his family, his friends, his family's gods, his, his security that he had with his family, with their land, with their, with their money, with their security. He was calling them to, to leave all of that behind and to follow him and to worship him and him alone. Friends, sometimes we are we are burdened by our family, uh, by our family tree. We are burdened by family obligations. And sometimes that will cause us to miss the opportunity that God has for us, the call that God has placed on our life. If you look back at the story of Galileo, you will see that he wanted to be a priest. He wanted to study theology, but his family encouraged him to study medicine instead. Sometimes we have that burden. God has been calling people to go and to follow him from the very beginning, friends. 
Don't believe me? You think I'm too pious? Think I'm too harsh? Look at what Jesus said. Luke chapter 14, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he, what, cannot be my own disciple. Father, friends, there is, uh, there is nothing in this life that should get in the way of your relationship with God. There is nothing in this life that should trump the call to go, the call to come and follow me. There's nothing in this life that's more important than your, rela- your relationship with God. And if there is, friends, then what you've done is you've created an idol in your life. And you are worshiping that instead of worshiping the creator God, the God of Abraham. Do you understand? Nothing should get in the way between you and your faithfulness to God. God calls us each to go, to leave everything behind and to be faithful to him. And that's hard. It's difficult, I understand. But the God who is calling you to go is faithful, is true. God knew that in order for Abraham to become the man that God needed him to be, Abraham needed him to go. Friends, sometimes we just need to go. We need to follow the words of our Savior to come and follow me. Verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and, and in him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. If we look back at verse 1, there are Five times God says, I will. This is the Abrahamic covenant, friends. I I will give you five things. Land, descendants, blessings for Abraham and his descendants, protection from those who curse him, and I will give you the promise that all nations will be blessed through you. This is an unconditional covenant. Some, condi- some covenants that we see throughout the scriptures are conditional. If you do this, then this will happen. This is unconditional. This is a promise that God is making to Abraham. A promise that he will never break. It's a commitment for all of eternity, friends. God is making this. Abraham and God are inseparable. They are, Abraham is often called, what? God's friend. That doesn't mean that, there are, that Abraham is perfect. But what it does mean is that there is a connection there that is really unparalleled throughout all of Scripture. If you look throughout Scripture, you see the signs of their friendship, of how close Abraham was to God and and how Abraham was truly a friend to God. And we will get more to this in a few weeks. But this covenant wasn't just for Abraham. It was for his descendants. 
Throughout the Old Testament, Israel would appeal to the God of Abraham and have the confidence they need to plead for mercy, that God would hear them. It was because of Abraham that God rescued Lot. It was because of Abraham that, that God blessed Isaac. It was because of Abraham that God delivered the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians. All of Israel, all of history, has remembered Abraham as the faithful one. Don't believe me? Look at verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord told him. And Lot with him, Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. You ever wonder why Abraham left his father? I mean, the things that God was promising to him, I mean, he had land, he had fame, he had forge. I mean, he had, I mean, his father was very wealthy, had security. His wife was barren, but I mean, in that time, he could have easily married another woman if he wanted children. He could have had descendants. I think Abraham knew that what was there for him with his father's house was nothing at all. The gods that his father worshipped were false. The land that his father owned lacked purpose. You ever, you ever do something, work somewhere, believe something, and know all along, maybe you're, maybe you're with someone, you're like, why am, I, why am I dating this girl? Why am I with this? I don't love him. You're wasting your time working a dead-end job that you know has no purpose, no, isn't what God wants you to do. You're living somewhere where you know that, hey, God is calling me to go here, and yet here I am doing this. You're wasting your life. Ever been there? Maybe you're there now. God is calling you to go and you're not sure if you can make that step. Here Abraham hears from God. And he knows without a shadow of a doubt that the God that is speaking is truly God. He's worth it. He's worth following. He's worth listening to. He's worth sacrificing all security that his father brings to him. Abraham left because he had faith in God. He heard the word go and he believed. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says about why Abraham left. Hebrews 11, 8, 9, and 10. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as in his, his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city 
with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He had faith. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for, the assurance of what we do not see. This is what Abraham was commended for, friends, his faith. He heard the call to go, and he went. Abraham had confidence in God. He didn't know where God was leading him, but he believed in God enough to go. And sometimes, friends, that's all we have. Sometimes, I, I'm not sure about you, but my prayer and my, and, my, and my devotion and my quiet time is, Lord, just show me the next step I'm supposed to take. I don't know where you're calling me to go. I don't know what you're wanting me to do next, but just show me the next step. <laughs> show me, I mean, just show me five feet in front of me. I don't need to know what tomorrow brings. Jesus says that tomorrow, today has enough trouble of its own, right? I mean, and Abraham had that type of faith. Just show me what you want me to do and I'll go. I'm not sure about you, but I think God is still in the business of calling men and women from the church to go. For two and a half years, I've been praying that, that somebody from this church would submit to the call to go, maybe to the mission field, maybe to seminary. Maybe they take a trip to Ecuador and they say, hey, this is where God is calling me. I, I, somehow as a church, as the church, not as white, but as the church, we have lost the art of developing pastors, missionaries. And friends, let me tell you something. If, if this church, if the church isn't going to develop young men and women to go into the mission field, to go, then who's going to? It's our responsibility to develop men and women to go. And God is still in the business of calling you to go. And I, I, I went to Missouri. I don't know where God is calling you to go. Get out where you can, okay? <laughs> Abraham took Sarah, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. I want you to notice that, that God told Abraham to leave his family and his friends and everything, and yet here he is bringing his brother's son, Lot. Lot's father died, and Abraham brought him with him. Does this become an issue for Abraham down the road? Again, I think some, some think that it does. Uh, we'll get to this in a few weeks, but Notice that Abraham is leaving and going where God had called him to go, to the land of Canaan. Verse 6. When they came to the land of Canaan, 
Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem. To the Oak of Moriah at the time, the Canaanites, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Canaanites were in the land that God had promised Abraham. What does that tell you about what's in store for Abraham? Is it going to be easy or is it going to be hard? For sometimes God calls us to, to tasks, to ministries that aren't always easy. They're tough, they're challenging, they're hard. And, and that's just not a sign that God is, that you're doing something wrong or that you, you've misunderstood, but rather that you are probably on the right path. Sometimes God calls us to do the hard stuff. I remember when I became a youth minister, I thought, I don't know if I can make this job last six months or not, <laughs> you know. It was, I was out of my comfort zone. I, I tell Kathy and I tell anybody that's willing, I was the worst youth minister alive, okay? And listen, I mean, my heart broke for those kids, though. They, uh, on a Wednesday night, one of my very first Wednesday nights, I had two young 13-year-old girls stand up in the middle of my message, and they cussed each other out. You laugh at that, but that broke my heart. It did. That's how they treated one another. They come to church, and that's how, I mean, I was, that's not how I was raised. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't know how to do anything with them, how to serve them, how to lead them. I struggled. But I knew that's where God wanted me to be. Friends, God calls men and women who are willing to go, even though things are hard, even though they don't have the, he doesn't call the, the enabled, he enables the called. And sometimes we think that God, there's no way that God could use you, me, that God could use you. And, and yet at the same time, like God says, listen, just, just be willing. I, I know it's going to be hard, but I'm, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to empower you to do the things that I've called you to do. I share with you, I think this, this year is going to be one of the hardest years at White Park. And not because we're doing something wrong or because, but, but because good things are happening and tough decisions need to be made. And we need to be faithful and true to who God is calling us to be. Difficulty doesn't mean disobedience. Sometimes it means just the opposite, friends. And when Abraham looked ahead of him, he saw a land that was full of Canaanites, men and women who worshiped false gods. Listen to this. When, verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give you this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. For from there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed on, still going to Enigma. Notice that, that Abraham built an altar at the Oak of Moriah. This word Marah means an oracle giver, a teacher. It was the place where the Canaanites would gather to worship false gods, false idols. 
I mean, imagine traveling from your father's house, your father's land, and, and going to the land that God had promised you. And the same thing that was happening at your father's house is the same thing that's happening at the land that God had promised you. I mean, they're just, they're worshiping the same false gods. I mean, and yet, here God is saying, this is the land that I'm going to give to your offspring. This is the land that God promised Abraham in his covenant with him. So what does Abraham do in this place? He builds an altar there. I mean, the promise was, I'm going to make you a great nation. You, you think he might just build, start building like a, a temple or a, a castle or something, but what does he do instead? He builds an altar. In the same place that these Canaanites came to worship their false gods, Abraham declares what? This is the land that's going to be a place that worships the true God. I mean, imagine for a second, though, you hear a word from God to go, and you go, and there you see the glory of God. I mean, first he heard it, and then he saw it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, think about that for a second. He heard the word go, and then he gets there to the place that he's supposed to go, and he sees the glory of God. I uh, can't imagine what that must do for him. You know, he, he leaves this place and he goes between Bethel and I and he does what? He builds another altar. And you look at that throughout Abraham's history and we never see him building a castle. But we do see him, I mean, he builds what? Altars. And this is a man who is committed to worshiping God and him alone. His commitment level wasn't for himself, it was for the glory of God. And 1991, a, a movie came out called Father of the Bride. Steve Martin, you all have seen this movie? It's only 35 years old if you, if you haven't seen it. Wait another 35 years and you'll forget what I told you, okay? But, you know, Steve Martin and Diana Keaton, they, are, uh, they, are, they have a daughter who comes back from Europe, and what happens? She gets engaged to a man they've never met. And uh, throughout, this, throughout this movie, Steve is, is trying his best to do what? To get his daughter not to marry this guy. You know, some of you fathers can relate. And, uh, but here, when the, when the time comes, when this young man makes the mistake and the opportunity to, to drive a wedge in between his daughter and this young man, what does he do instead? He offers what? Restoration. You know, 
I think about in our culture, what we want for our daughters and for our, hus- our boys is to, to find a husband, to find a wife, and to leave our home, get out of our basement. And, uh, and you know, that's, we want them to, to be happy, to find happiness, to find love, and for them to find the right person to, to be happy with. And, and 4,000 years ago, friends, that wasn't the case. I mean, it just wasn't. There wasn't independence from the family. There was actually interdependence. I mean, they, they, they relied on one another. Friends, sometimes God calls us to go and to be faithful. And I, I look at the story of Abraham, and throughout this story, we see a man that was faithful. Galatians chapter 3 says that his faithfulness was credited to him as what? Righteousness. And it also says in Galatians chapter 3 that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to you so that we might receive the promised spirit through what? Faith. The faith that Abraham had is the faith that we are called to have. It's to put our faith and trust in Jesus. Friends, I want want you to know that uh, Abraham, I'll just kind of spoil the story for you. He's not perfect. He makes mistakes. He, He does things that he's not supposed to do. And yet, God's promise for him is unconditional. It remains. And in spite of his mistakes, Abraham remains committed to the call to go. And friends, I, I don't want to spoil any, any truth for you today, but guess what? You're not perfect either. You're going to make mistakes You're going to fail, falter, and come up short. Blake, that little Inslee of yours, she's going to make mistakes. She looks perfect now, doesn't she, in that white dress? I mean, she just, but give her, I don't know, until she's 11, I promise you, she's. (laughs) But we all know that about ourselves. In spite of our mistakes, in spite of our, sh- our failures and our shortcomings, God loves us. And his love for you is unconditional. No matter what happens, no matter the mistakes that you made, he loves you. And God proves his love for you through his son, Jesus Christ. That he, he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. And if you put your faith and trust in him, the Bible says that, that you too will be saved. And that your faith in him will be counted to you as righteousness. I don't know about you, but that, that sounds pretty good to me. Because I, I know me. I know that I'm not righteous. I know that I'm a sinner. Imperfect, flawed as it gets. And if you looked in the mirror, you'd see the same thing about yourself, friends. You're flawed. And Jesus is the answer to your sin problem. 
And God has given this to you. And friends, I, I pray that you look throughout the Old Testament, that you look throughout the story of Abraham and, and through all, all the, the stories of this book. And when you do, you will see that it all points to Jesus. The same is true of your life. It all points to our need for a Savior. Jesus Christ is that Savior. Would you put your faith and trust in him today? Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for the story of Abraham and for this man of faith, for the example that he was for us. And I pray, Lord, that today you would help us to understand what it means to be faithful, what it it means to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that there's someone here today that has never accepted Christ as Savior. And Lord, I I pray that today is that day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord of life. And Lord, if that were to happen, truly we would give you all the honor and all the glory, and I pray that it does. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to speak to us today. As we sing a song of invitation, I pray that if there's someone here today, a believer, that you may be calling to go, to get up and and to leave to go to a land that they do not know and to serve a God that's worthy of all that we have to offer. Jesus, we love you and pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.